What's up, everybody? Welcome. Welcome to the Comet ML Office Hours, powered by the Artists of Data Science. Super excited to have all you guys here. Thanks for joining me on this uh, Sunday, beautiful Sunday, except it's like windy and snowy and cold where I am. Hopefully it's nicer where you guys are, but super excited to have you guys here. Uh, Claudio, Josh, Christoph, Tor. Getting the day started, Iodeli is unable to join us today. She got her second dose of the... Um, covid vaccine and that's got her feeling a bit uh under the weather so it's gonna be just me hopefully you guys got an opportunity to check us out um last week at the uh dsco virtual conference I had a great time emceeing that event it was a lot of fun great opportunity to chat with a lot of people and and uh, network and stuff like that so hopefully you guys got a chance to check that out um but yeah i was really hoping to meet you during networking sessions but... <laughs> oh yeah yeah i was i was able to do a little bit of networking i got uh, yeah they it was interesting how they um i like that setup on hopping but it was funny because i had like four people in a row i had connected with that were like you know people i already knew one of them was jaya that's always here in our uh one of our community members here um, and then a couple other people that I already like knew really well. So it was funny that they had randomized it and in that interesting way. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice. would have been nice to, to connect with you on there, man. But uh, yeah, man, I'm excited to, uh, to get into your questions. So Christoph or Claudia or Joshua or Torp, any of you guys got questions, I will do my best to help answer it. Um, okay. So maybe I start. Yeah, I just, I, I just want to say uh, I was really happy to see you emceeing uh, data science virtual. <laughs> I think at the first take you were quite stressed. Was this right? I I had like this feeling that the very first uh, time you you spoke, you were I, I was I was like telling myself this is this isn't Harpreet that I know. This is someone else. <laughs> the, But uh... then it was like. Yeah, the the opening the opening minute or so. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's it's interesting because like you guys don't hear it behind scenes, but uh, like there's people talking to me in my ear that you guys can't hear, telling me to oh wait you forgot to say this or you gotta say this and and whatever. Uh, so that takes a little bit of getting used to. But yeah, after that it was just smooth sailing. Okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah, I, I did uh, did enjoy. It. I don't know if that's gonna be up on YouTube or not. Hopefully it is on youtube you guys can check that out uh, but what else is on youtube is also the most recent episode i've released of my podcast i started releasing more video episodes i know that on youtube channel there's my podcast episodes are up there but they're audio only but i'm going to start just releasing the videos now i'll just trim them up a little bit and post the videos up there but release an episode with john k thompson he wrote the book how to build analytics teams he's um, definitely a, a legend in the industry he's been around for quite some time and i've also got the interview up there with robert green which if you guys have not gotten a chance to check out you definitely should uh, robert green author of 48 laws of power uh, all the happy hour stuff is up there as well had a really interesting discussion uh, during happy hour um on friday uh i know tor was there christoph were, were you there as well no um i just i watched it today actually yeah oh yeah, yeah. this session <laughs> yeah yeah it's definitely a very very good discussion i urge you guys to tell check it out i think it's an important discussion um, i'm glad that we had it and um i think the uh i think just letting the discussion play out like that was the best thing to do like i don't think it would have been responsible on my end just to cut the discussion short or have it you know be a trite answer and 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 move on um, i'm glad i let it play out the way it did so hopefully you guys get an opportunity to listen to that um 
We got Jaya in the building. Good to see you again, as usual. Hey, well, I'm, I'm open for questions, man. I'm, I was hoping to see, uh, hoping to see a bunch of new friends in here. Not that I, I mean, I love you guys. You guys are love seeing old friends here. But I was uh, thinking that there might be an influx after the Data Science Go uh, virtual conference that there might be more people coming in. Um, and you know, there, there's a couple here and there coming in, but mostly the, uh, the regulars, but yeah, man, I'm excited. Let's, let's, uh, let's get some questions going. Can I ask a question help? I, yes. I, on the Slack, on your Slack channel, I raised a question yesterday, um, which basically is a, a model to estimate the carbon footprint, but I'm having some challenges in how I'm presenting the data. It's not very clear when you look at the matrixes I create. So I'm just wondering if I could get some kind of input on how I can present it or to graphically display. Um, it's all made in Excel, and I can share it on the screen, the table, and maybe explain if you're interested, if we can. Yeah, definitely. It's, okay, let me just... Um, uh, where is that share screen? Where do I share? Should be on the bottom. There's a green button that points uh, up. There we go. Share screen. Yeah. Couldn't be more green than that. <laughs> uh, you have to enable me, I guess. Okay. Let me see how to do this. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. Uh, we learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah. So this, yeah, this isn't uh, this isn't my Zoom room that I'm uh, the the owner of. So. My share screen is, uh, oh, so I have it set up. Yeah, let's see. I'm trying to figure it out here. Share. Uh, yeah, well, I, I have it on my Slack. Yeah, I can have it on Slack here. I could pull it up, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, don't I just uploaded it. It's on your Slack. So I posted it in the uh, Pandas uh, uh, group. Yeah, let me go ahead and pull this up. There we go. There's the actual carbon footprint estimation tool. Technically, oh. what I'm planning to do is to... Uh, okay, that's. Uh, I'll have to uh, download the actual Excel file. Let's let's see if I do that. Right. What happens? So the idea here is that in my business and my job, you know, we travel to different audits, and travel and being on site, you need local transportation, taxi or car. But if you're coming from long distance, you normally would be flying in. And then, of course, you also have the same issue of of uh, uh, local transportation. So this is only for transportation purposes. So the top left, where you have cell C3, this is where you plug in the maximum number of size auditors. So if you can put in five there, just so that we get less numbers to look at and less confusing. And then basically what you have is that the number of weeks that the audits will be performed. So when you're on site for how many weeks. Now, for each of the auditors, there's a calculation based on kilometers per day, which is an average times the grams per kilometers, which is the 50 times 171 grams per kilometer. And for flights, you would then have, it's a five-hour flight, it's 192 kilos per hour. So these are the parameters that you can then tune to adjust, okay? Everything that's light yellow. Based on those parameters, the model now will then say uh, in column B, you have zero remote auditors. So this is an issue also where people work from home. So if you work from home, you do not have any transportation footprint, carbon footprint. So what the model is doing now is that it's saying that when you have zero, the first row, zero remote auditors, Five of them are on site. Now, if 
none of them are from a uh, are non-local auditor, meaning everybody's local. Then it will calculate your footprint for that uh, audit. So it's 857 kilos, okay? And if you have one person, which is a non-local auditor coming in with flight, then the carbon footprint increases to 1817 up to 5657 if the entire team is coming from abroad or via flight. And as you start putting people into remote, meaning they're working from home, your carbon footprint total will then be reduced. So this is highlighted now with the uh, bold and the black. Now, the other numbers I've had to include because I need to calculate the savings for the various options. So technically, what I'm doing next is that in the footprint savings, when you look at cell D23, which is says 4,800 kilo savings, basically what that is, is that that savings compared to the total, if um, um, the all the auditors were coming from international versus everybody being local. And that means you have a saving of 4,800 kilos. And then if one of the remote auditors are away, your savings, of course, will increase because they're sitting at home, so they're affected. So I've calculated the actual savings based on those parameters. Visually, I'd like to present this somehow that it makes sense. So what I would like to see is somehow a graph that shows y-axis is the number of uh, non-local auditors, for example, and the x-axis would be the local auditors. But the graphical presentation would be a line for each, whether uh, none, uh, no remote auditors, one remote auditor, and so on and so forth. And that's my challenge. And I am not very good at making graphs. I can make simple ones, but not in this kind of, I don't know if it makes sense what I'm saying. Yeah. So you want your X axis just to be number of, of auditors and right. Y axis is going to be these values, whichever. The local are. the local ones. But the problem is, is that the, the values, the actual saving, I'm looking at the bottom table is the savings based on the combination of three parameters. So you're looking at how many remote and how many of those auditors are non-local. And that's what I'm trying to present in a graphical way based on this data. Or when you say uh, non-local, you mean they are not... they're not, they're not in the location uh, where the audit will be performed. So, for example, um, I live in France, but most of my audits are done in Norway. So when I, I'm considered non-local auditor since I'm coming from France, going to Norway. So in addition to the daily transportation I would have in Norway, I would have to add my flight going back and forth. So this is the, the data. So with, with whatever graph it is that you're trying to communicate, like what is it that you want to communicate? Like the- What I'd like to show is the impact of having remote auditors. So the more people are staying at home, the less footprint you make. So how much savings do you actually make compared to? So that's my graph. So when I'm looking at the graph in my head, I'm seeing one line for uh, zero auditors working from remotely, one line for one order working remotely and so on and so forth. 
Now, for a um, at the bottom, uh, the x-axis, I would then like to see some sort of a uh, number of auditors that are local and number of auditors going on the y-axis would then be the non-local auditors. And then I need to have the data plotted. If possible. So, <laughs> I don't so, know. so, Tor, so your X axis uh, could be the carbon footprint, right? Uh, the one, the, 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 the table below its carbon footprint savings. And then your Y axis, uh, shouldn't it be the remote auditors? That would show the correlation between remote auditors and the carbon footprint. Would that be the case? So let me just try to wrap my, wrap my head around it. So essentially what you're trying to say is like, you're trying to show like uh, the, the variable of interest that you want to communicate is the savings. So essentially like right. this, this difference. The right? bottom table, the bottom table. And you're trying to just say that, okay, if we look at number of auditors, right, if we just look at the number of auditors, so you want to say local versus non-local and then communicate the savings or savings based on whether there are how many people are remote. Okay. So I I think maybe anybody has any uh, ideas, definitely let me know, but I think it might be a good idea to do a, uh, hold on one second, let me pull it up here. Uh, And for me, this is really, you know, I since I made the table, I can read it. Okay, so when I'm explaining to somebody, I would have to say, okay, the first thing you need to do is decide, okay, how many people are going on the audit total. Yeah. Now, when you're looking at the savings, you would then have to read the the um, the number of auditors that will be on site yeah. physically. So, so maybe something like a bubble chart is might be what you're looking for. I think that might be because you're essentially you're trying to show three things three exactly things of information on a two-dimensional plane right exactly so or i think think a bubble chart might be uh, a good option just look into that maybe that might be helpful that's the only thing that's coming to mind right now because you are right i'm trying to show three things in the two dimensions yeah yeah so i think this might be a good way to look into it so if we do here uh, we can do and unfortunately i'm working in excel on this so that's yeah. where my skill level still uh, is. So I'm trying yeah. to find a way to. Yeah, so definitely read first. Read through this uh, documentation just about what a bubble chart is and if it's going to be suiting your needs. Uh, but then it looks like you can do bubble charts in Excel. It looks like there's quite a few uh, resources out there. So right. just type in bubble plots in Excel. It looks like you might be able to to very easily uh, do that. I know Microsoft has their documentation. I'm sure it's a simple thing. It's just that you know. Normally, when I'm creating these things, I make it for myself. So this tool that I'm creating now is for um, basically my company. I'm going to be offering in a uh, offsetting the carbon footprint as part of my offer. So you know, going into the environmentally friendly and all this, and then of course I would like I have my table now to say to them, okay, based on how many people, this is the offset that we will provide you with and the savings, and of course negotiate with them that. You know, to me, doing audits on site, there's no reason why I need to be there physically. If we yeah. can do it remotely, everybody benefits, right? So Absolutely. so this is part of the, the strategy. But in long term, I'm also planning on having this model included in my website so that people can put in their parameters and then graphically get a nice display on where, what, who, and which, and when, et cetera, type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it just... In- 
feel like bubble chart might be the best way to go um, or something similar to that. So I'm sure once you start doing more research into bubble charts, like they'll link to other charts that are similar. Uh, there's there's uh, this website that I'll link to here from Chartio. They've got this uh, document, how to choose the right data visualization. Actually, there's somebody who did a um, session on um, uh, data science go virtual and she had a, a chart picker. Let me uh, put up. Pick that one up. It was like a, a chart chooser. Uh, yeah, I gotta I gotta find. I don't know if Christoph, if you remember who that was, but uh, it was like just a, a chart. Yes, Depict Data Studio, and her she had a interactive chart chooser. And if you use the code, like I think it was DSCO Virtual, right. you would get get the uh, free chart chooser. So this will probably be helpful as well. So I, I put the link for that as well. Was that that fancy charting tool that you had? Uh, did you? Um, did, did you tune into the DSCO virtual? Yeah, I was part of it, but yeah. I, I can't remember exactly one of the sessions, a, but there was some fancy stuff there that was just uh, mind-boggling. Yeah. Oh, she was, yeah, she was doing a lot of really cool stuff on Excel, um, and her website just has, like, a good glossary of all these different plots. So definitely, cool. definitely p- pick that up. And, uh, are we yeah. talking about Anne Emery? That was her name, yeah. So that was depicted. Depict Data Studio, I think that was the uh, the website. I think I linked it right there. But yeah, her name was Anne Emery. That's right. Yeah, very awesome. simple, black and white. Uh, cool. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully that is helpful. So. No, but I'll start with those and I'll see what yeah. I can figure out because, like I said, it's a. Uh, um, I've never been, you know, to me, spending hours and hours on creating some simple graphs has never really been my game. Uh, yeah. But I see now that I have to. <laughs> So, yeah. so that's why I'm just asking some help. But uh, Asha, you mentioned Pareto chart. Pareto charts. Uh, Asha, is that what you mentioned? Oh, sorry. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. I'm seeing like it could work. Have you tried it? I, I, I don't even know what it is. Um, I, can you, I, I don't have the Excel. I could look at it if you'd like and yeah. make a rough Pareto chart for you. Or I might uh, be wrong. Anyone feel free to correct me. Yeah, uh, definitely. Like If you have some resources, go ahead and link to that. Um, but unfortunately, I can't give control to people to share the screen for some reason. But uh, if you have a good resource, go ahead, dump that in the chat for Tor. And, yeah. Uh, he can definitely check that out. So Tor, hopefully that gets you set up and on the right path. Right Guess we started. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, cool. So uh, I'll open it up to see if anybody else has questions at this point. What's up? We got some new people joining in here. I see Suman. How's it going? Um, but yeah, if anybody has a question, go for it. The floor is wide open. Uh, Suman, how you doing, man? Yeah, uh, this is my first time. Awesome. Well, welcome. <laughs> happy to happy to have you here. So yeah, it's just yeah. pretty much just whatever questions, topics doesn't even need to be data science related. It could be about anything. So uh, happy to 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 help help you, man. Uh, any questions on on anything? Uh, not right now at the top of my head, but uh, there will be definitely. <laughs> So uh, first time here, I'm glad to have you here. How'd you hear about the uh, Comet ML open office hours? Yeah, uh, I I, I found it uh, in LinkedIn, actually. I think I I have you uh, on my contact in my LinkedIn. Uh, Oh, right on, man. So yeah, probably uh, uh, through that, I I got this uh, notification last week or two weeks ago. And and since uh, I'm not a data, full-time data scientist, I used to be a a geoscientist and I am uh, looking forward to transitioning into data science and machine learning uh, stuff. So uh, I thought thought this might be something interesting too. Uh, Yeah, definitely. It's just an opportunity for people to come in, ask questions and, you know, not to say that I got all the freaking answers to everything, but I can at least 
point you in a right direction, hopefully, I hope, or um, or at least learn something new from your questions. So thanks for coming, man. If at any point you got questions, go for it. Christoph, I saw you had your uh you had your hand up there, man. So happy to, happy to. I think I've got a question, but it's a that tough one. <laughs> I, I, <can> try. <laughs> um, I think I'm about to quit my job. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. And um, I just don't know if it's the right decision. And it's yeah. probably, I should explain it much better. Yeah, definitely give us some context. Okay, so you're going to quit your job, but like, why? What? What is, what's the... Uh... Um, I'm also um, a transitioner. I'm trying to get into data science field and I really, really enjoy NLP. Okay. And I know this is something I can be really good at. So I made this um, goal that within six months, I get an NLP job. So... Okay. I've set some goals, like things that I'm about, I'm going to do in order to find a job. And I just realized, because it's like a month and a half since I started, and I realized this, is, this isn't happening um, because I don't have enough time. I've got a full-time job. I've got a little daughter, and I really don't want to sacrifice my time with the family in order to do that. And I'm extremely unhappy at my work right now because I feel that my job is meaningless. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's not meaningless at all. I'm, I'm a software developer, so... So I'm still coding, but the pro project I'm working on right now is meaningless. I'm not learning anything and it's taking my, it's like eight hours a day, but it's sucking my energy and my uh, positivity because I'm, I've worked hard to, to be positive in life. And like my job is the only source of negativity right now. So I've, uh, it was Monday after my holiday. I've, I've had like two weeks holiday and Monday was like a really tough day for me, realizing I have to work again. And that's the last thing I want to do. And since Monday, I ju I'm just like, should I do it? Should, uh, should I do it? Do it or not? Uh, how can it? I mean, I know I don't want to stay there. I, I won't stay there anyway. I mean, it's only the matter of the time. But the question is, how does it make me mm, less valuable for the future employers? I mean, because I'm <clears throat> I'm going to be unemployed, so I'm going to have a gap in my uh, CV. Uh, I can okay. I can explain it very well because I know what's important in my life and I know that this job isn't important at, at all and how can it hurt my yeah. like future recruitment? Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of different ends we could start at with this problem. First is if you want to get philosophical with it, we could we could start there, or we can just move right into the the uh, the the practical repercussions of it. So depending on where you want to start, I'll tailor my answer in that direction. Um, let's go uh, philosophical. Okay. Ultimately, meaning is it's we all derive our own meaning, right? So meaning meaningfulness in itself is just a meaning concept because it changes for any anybody right so if you yourself as a person are not deriving any meaning from the work that you're doing then yeah fucking just it's it's not a good use of your time right you can you only have so many years left ahead of you so much time left ahead of you and at that it is not even guaranteed that you have that time you can leave life right now right you could drop dead right now it's a very small probability that it could happen but it can so 
knowing this, do you want to spend your time doing a job that you really, really do not like, right? Because in order for you to do great things in this world, you need two things. You need free time and a free mind and clear mind, rather free time and a clear mind, right? Sometimes you can get a job that provides you with free time, which is ample time to think and reflect, but you're doing so towards something that is very constructive for you. You are defining or deriving meaning from it. So that's great. Or you can be in a situation like yours where where your time at work is completely tied up. And not only that, your mind is not at ease. You're just like stressed the hell out. There's inner turmoil in your mind. So that even when you do have free time to work on stuff, you're dreading the time that you have to spend sitting in front of the computer doing work that you don't like. So that's that's not a recipe to to do anything, I think, productive or, or great in life, right? So there's that aspect of it. Your feelings are completely validated. Like, yeah it's meaningless to you it is meaningless to you then then that's that's it um and it, so so there's kind of like the philosophical thing I'll, I'll stop there uh, if we want to touch on it later we can but practically speaking if you quit your job to pursue some nlp projects on the side to re-educate yourself i think that is completely okay as a matter of fact i think we as society should encourage people to do that we should encourage people to take a year off to reassess, redirect, and find a new direction if they feel like the current one they're in is not helpful, right? So now the question is, if you come to a, if you come to a, a hiring manager, right, and the hiring manager see this gap in your resume, right, there's a difference between having a gap on your resume where all you did was quit work because you hated your boss and sat on your couch and watched Netflix for a year, and now you decide that you're ready to come back to work. That doesn't look that good. But if you take a year off to work on upskilling yourself in a certain direction, because this is where you are deriving meaning and, and finding real interest and, and passion in, then you could easily make that a positive for a hiring manager, right? All you got to say is in, you know, your hiring managers and be like, oh, well, looks like you got a gap on your resume. Why is that? And be like, you know what? I quit my last job because I wanted to upskill in a particular domain in this case, NLP. And I use that time to create two or three different projects. Here, here's what I did with my year off. I was able to not only learn the fundamentals and basics of NLP, but I was able to excel in it, do well. And as a result of the time and effort I spent away from earning income, I was able to create these projects, which I think do a great job at showcasing my ability to deliver value for you in this NLP role. Um, so if you have the financial means to to quit your job, to I do. pursue this upskilling, then by all means, go for it. Because at least then you can leave work on good terms. Or it could be that when you go leave work and you tell your boss why, you can be, and you'd be like, look, I, I want to pursue NLP. I don't, I don't have time to do it at this job. Maybe they have something at some other subsidiary at the company where you can have this opportunity, or maybe they'll give you opportunities for you. Right? If that's not the case, that's not the case. But at least you're ending this work engagement kind of on your own terms and in a positive way, right? It's better than getting let go because you're just completely disengaged and just not doing work, right? Mm -hmm. Even though even though that would probably, if you, if you get laid off, you probably can collect unemployment benefits or something. I don't know how it works in, in Germany, but that's my perspective. I think um, mm -hmm. if you are at, like, if you're at work and it just completely sucks and you have, you're not able to, to uh, pursue what you want to because of this giant time commitment. Yeah, definitely go for it. Alternatively, you can try to wake up two to three hours earlier every morning, right? I when do this already. You do this already and it's still mm -hmm. like not, not enough time, right? Mm -hmm. um, so so, so I, I've got time to work on side projects, but uh, like I said, I, I've had this idea what else i could do like sharing my ideas like writing articles like everything that 
could help me that I also really enjoy. I just don't find time for it. And that really sucks. And right now I'm like, I'm waking up at 5 a.m. every day to work on the project, but it's a side project. It's a passion project. So I don't have anyone who can like guide me through and I'm stuck and the, because it's difficult. So I'm stuck. And when I'm stuck, it's like I don't produce outcome. And this sucks also. Yeah. Well, you don't necessarily even need to produce outcome on any project. You just gain understanding and gain knowledge, right? So if you get stuck, but you're stuck in the sense that maybe you're not moving past a hurdle, but you're still chipping away at your lack of knowledge and gaining more knowledge, that's still kind of a positive outcome, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it's a tough situation. I see Tor has his hands up. Tor says, don't quit. Let's hear why. Well, technically, I never... It's like you mentioned, Apli, that you know when you quit, then quit on good terms um, because technically this will also be your future reference in whatever position you will be going into. So making sure you keep the motivation, et cetera. But I'm more curious that the company that you work for now, uh, is it a large or small company? Is there any opportunity that you might be able to go and talk to them and say, listen, why don't you put me on a 50% job and then the other time I can do studies and maybe even get them to Fund it, but you need to have some kind of justification that they will also benefit from that. How long they're going to benefit, different story. But, you know, that might be an alternative to look into if there's an opportunity in your company. Oh, okay. So it's, um, it's like, I get, I believe, 50 employees. And okay. so it's relative, relative small. But uh, I mean, when I leave, I want to leave on good terms. Actually, Already on Tuesday, I talked to my supervisor exactly about that. So I told him everything, how I feel. And, and so he already knows that. But I don't think we can come up with a plan to, I'd say, to make me happy. <laughs> and I... Mm, like I said, I'm a transitioner and I, I've already learned a lot of uh, machine learning and deep learning. And I even tried to apply it at work. So I organized this workshop to talk with sales at my company where I explained actually what machine learning and artificial intelligence is. And so we actually already do something, but it's going to take months and it's not going to be NLP. It's going to be more like computer vision. So it's also only temporary, I'd say. To, so I could theoretically stay, but it wouldn't change anything. And yeah. I've been already struggling with this problem for months. So it's not like it happened on Monday. Yeah. It it's really escalated. It's Sorry? what I refer to as the quit switch. Uh, there's this little switch up here in your head. It's called a quit switch. Once that's turned on, there's no turning back. doesn't matter what solution. It doesn't matter what comes up. It doesn't matter anything. At the end of the day, that quit switch sounds like you turned it on. Once you've done that, no, it's time to move on, focus. And given that you are in that financial freedom position, then, you know, just do it. Uh, it's better to quit now while you still, it sounds to me like you have a very good dialogue with your supervisor and the team. So the only thing you want to make sure is to say, okay, I'd like to quit, make a proper plan for that quitting so that whoever is coming on board to replace you or the existing team will have a good transition. Okay. Because once you have that good transition, then you go and then you do all the other things that you want to learn. But 
three, your gap, that's the last thing I would worry about because when you come to the next interview, you're not going to be talking about, you will have one quick question, but you will already have that answer. And depending on your situation at that point in time, it may not even come up. So I wouldn't worry too much about the gap. It's more important now that you have a very good relations, a good leaving this company. And that way, when you apply for the next one, you can even use them as a good reference. You will have a good reference. That I guarantee you, if you do it properly. Yeah. And then, I mean, like just that, the, the signal you're sending to any potential employer saying that I'm so vested in this field that I'm actually, I quit my last job just so I can focus on NLP stuff. And here's what I produced in this time, right? I think that is huge. That's a huge plus. It's a good signal. So uh, resume gaps, I wouldn't even wouldn't worry too much about that. Uh, Jaya, let's see uh, see what Jaya says here. Yeah, so uh, Chris, um, I'm kind of similar to your situation as well, you know, but what I'm doing, I work for a small company, biomedical company, right? And um, what I've done is, because I am passionate about data and AI stuff, so what I do is I've, I've told my company that this is where I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about data and I like AI stuff and so forth. And, and they're fully aware of that right now. And, and I've, I've already told them in my myself evaluation reviews that I have at my company. This is where I want to hit and I'm already paving my way along that way. But what I'm doing right now is I same thing like you, I want to focus more on, on data and AI stuff. So what I've done is I've I don't work full eight hours at my company. I, I cut down my hours and I work part time. And I and, and and the other hours I fully dedicate myself in doing doing AI projects and all that stuff. So I don't have the financial mean of quitting my job because that's my situation here. So I still work uh, part-time and I still do my passion stuff. But um, the other thing is um, I, I'm also trying to create a project. Like in the past, I told you, right, I'm trying to use the sales data that they have and trying to create. So I want to create something for them and then I want to leave. And if they see value in the project that I provide, perhaps they might create a position for me as a data scientist or whatever, uh, AI scientist or whatever. So I'm hoping... I'm I'm giving them options right now, uh, you know, you know, and this is what I'm going to do for you. And, you know, and you are fully aware that I'm, I want to be a data person and I've given all this uh, heads up quite a while ago. So they know where I'm coming from and where I'm headed and, and I'll do that project for you. And then you tell me, you want me to stay or you go, you know, so, so that's what I'm doing. So I, I just reduce my hours down by half. Um, yeah, again, because of financial, I still need to pay my bills and all that stuff. So that's that's the route I took, or, uh, I'm currently taking right now. I see. Thank you. Yeah. And um, at my company, uh, company, they know that I do it uh, since January 2020. So it's like, it's because of the, my company was at a difficult situation two years ago, a difficult financial situation. So right now we don't actually choose projects. We do projects that provide money and I'm with them. I've been there for four and a half years now, but it's, it's taking too long. So it, like uh, Tor said that there was already this switch, quit, quit switch. Mm -hmm. It is on and I'm really trying to do this the right way. And, but like I said, I, I just, wonder if it can hurt me in the future, but 
I'm, I'm happy what I heard here. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it will hurt you in the future, but like for the reasons we said, because you're signaling that you have such a great interest in this and you're using that time productively and you're making improvements in your learning and understanding. But now the question is, can you find an NLP job like right now? Like, Can you start applying for jobs already? Do you have anything in your portfolio project that you can showcase to potential employers to get right into NLP without having to worry about quitting, right? Because honestly, like you're a software engineer, you've already got more than half the skills for data science. And plus NLP, it's mostly software engineering, right? It's not, there's some statistics, obviously, and machine learning, obviously, but I feel like it's, it's more heavily influenced by software engineering. You're already half, more than halfway there. Like 70% there, like that's enough to get you a job, a first job. Have you thought about I, that? I mean, I want to start applying right now just to see what, what, what's happening. But at the same time, it's like I said, I, I, I just can't work on what I love because yeah. it's it's really like um, it was two months ago when I discovered NLP more deeply than before when I realized that this is that this is something what I really enjoy doing and what, what you, you say that this is uh, software engineering mostly but NLP is also about language and yeah I love yeah. this language stuff yeah and yeah, um, I believe that this makes me much more valuable because I really enjoy it and when I enjoy it I'm curious about it and I ask more questions and I go deeper and um I just want, and this made also my job more difficult because when I know that there is something that I love, something that people get, get paid for and they get paid well, and then I have to go to work for eight hours yeah. and doing this stuff, yeah. this, this so, is more difficult than it was yeah. before. So, I mean, let's try to pivot from that mindset, right? Let's just, you know, right now you got, you got a job, you got to do your do do the job and uh, you know that that's let's let's try to pivot from there and start looking more in a opportunistic mindset i would say right now if i was in your shoes this is what i would do maybe from now until the next you know until the end of may i would just apply to every single nlp related job that i could potentially find why because i want to get a signal from the market right so if i'm applying for jobs right now and i've got maybe one or two small-ish projects that i could showcase as part of my portfolio right i can start sending this signal out to the market and see what comes back right like okay do people view me as this nlp role yet right mm -hmm. and maybe you get a few callbacks for interviews and you go through the interview process and you know maybe one you crush maybe one you don't crush but you're learning throughout the process that that would be the first step is all right let's see what the see how the market views me right now without me having to leave my job mm -hmm. do that for a month and then okay if you get to the point where it's it's winding down towards the end of may you're like all right well you know i'm not hearing back from any jobs why aren't why am i not hearing back from any jobs do some reconnaissance what's the feedback you're getting right and if the feedback is oh not enough quote unquote nlp experience then you just make sure you develop like a really cool nlp project right so then maybe you you do end up leaving your job at, at the end of May, maybe put in your two weeks notice towards the middle of May, right? Uh, now come summer, June, all the way through August, like have a plan, like you got to have the the plan in place. Like what is it that you want to create, right? Like, cause you need to have, can't go into this unemployment thing completely blind, right? Start thinking about the project you want to create right now. That's just going to be like your, your calling card of sorts, right? Mm -hmm. So start thinking about the actual project that it is that you want to create, right? Maybe, maybe the project could be taking all of the artists of data science podcast transcripts and creating a 
something from it. I don't know, right? I'm, I'm giving you just ideas, right? Maybe it could be like I don't I don't know much about NLP, what can be done with NLP, but just have an idea in mind that this is what I'm going to try to build and just focus on that, right? Because you don't want to go into this unemployment thing with nothing planned out, right? So, so use, I, yeah, well, I was just gonna say use now until the you know, one month from now to apply for jobs, get feedback from the market, get signals from the market, start ideating on what it is that you are actually going to work on. You know, if you have to go into unemployment, meaning quit your job without any uh, uh, jobs lined up. So then, you know, you have a purpose to carry you through the next few months to work on this project. Right? That's a bit of mm-hmm. tips I would give, but yeah, sorry, you're, you're going to say something there. Now, what I meant is like, I already had a plan, but it's not working because I don't have a time. Yeah. Okay. And okay. Yeah. So I've got plenty ideas because NLP is like endless source yeah. of yeah. ideas. And I want to, I find like thousand projects to work on. Yeah. So it's not a problem. Okay. Good. Like, so you got some good ideas on stuff that you want to work on. So that's, that's a huge, huge step. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, that's probably the, the best way to kind of go about this is, um, is send some applications out, get some feedback from the market. Do people see me as a, a NLP practitioner yet based on the current projects that I have, um, do that for like the next month or so, and then start planning your cordial transition out of your current role and have concrete steps in place for, you know, I know you said you got a bunch of ideas, but just focus on just I know. one thing that you want to do, go all in on that. And then probably towards, you know, I'd say mm-hmm. end of July, beginning of August, start going super aggressive with, uh, you know, the job applications. And this is like contacting people, reaching out, sending good messages out to people on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd even start trying to make connections with NLP people in, you know, in, in Germany, like now to start connecting with I, them. I've already done it. I, okay. I already started. So yeah. Start looking but, for meetup groups and everything as well. Yeah. Meetup groups are on hold, I believe. <laughs> well, there's that. There's v- virtual ones as well. Right? There, I know we have a bunch of meetup groups here in Canada that'll, that are virtual. I see. Uh, yeah. So. Okay. Thank you for everything you just said. I mean, all yeah, of you. Man. That's yeah. great. I'm yeah. I'm happy to come here. And what what you just said about one goal, I I have got this book. It's called Four Disciplines of Execution. Oh yeah, 4DX. I've got that somewhere here. Yeah. Exactly. So I know what what exactly what you mean. And I've I also read this book. It's called How How Will You Measure Your Life? And this is also where where I read about it. I, I mean, uh, why people lose motivation at job at their job and what makes people love their job. And I, it's called. I mean, I think I just was looking for confirmation <laughs> confirmations that this this. this and I, I think I, I found it like everywhere. I mean, like the quitting the job is, is right. And it's all over the place, actually, when you when you look for it. Do what you love. Stop wasting your time. We've got one life. Okay. And uh, like I said, I don't want to sacrifice the time with my family because it's way more important than everything else. And I've got this <clears throat> like long-term plan who I want to be in three years from now. And it doesn't mention my current job at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you ultimately you gotta do things that that make you happy. Like it's not always about about making money or having a steady page. You got I mean, what's Nassim Taleb say? The three most harmful addictions in life are heroin, carbohydrates, and a monthly salary. Um, so you know, 
that, that, that I, I think what he's trying to communicate with that is that uh, taking the safe route of always having that monthly salary. Yeah, we need money to survive. But if, if you become complacent and unhappy just so you can have that monthly salary, then are you really living? You know what I mean? Uh, Tor, I saw you had your hand up. Or sorry, and uh, Ash, uh, if you have a question. Ash had a question. So. Yeah. yeah, Ash, if you got a question, go for it. Thank oh, you. Tor, go for it first. Let me just finish up. Give me just one minute. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that work isn't everything. Learn the hard way. Uh, 14 hour days, seven days a week, four years in a row, that kind of does something to you. And, uh, you know, having fun at fun at work, that has always been what's most important to me. I don't really care as much about what I do. But being able to have that joy of getting up in the morning and being excited to go in and deal with every day, whatever problems, whatever challenges thrown your way and doing what you love, that's how you get success, however way you look at it, because it gives you that unconditional motivation to to succeed. You will succeed because you will always have that smile on your face, which also means you interact differently with other people, etc. I chose the consulting lifestyle um, after my last uh, corporate job. Um, been doing it now for seven years. I don't miss the corporate life at all, the monthly paycheck. You know, the security of having that monthly paycheck is nice. Um, it's a little bit more uncertainty, and especially with the COVID, I've had a huge impact, but somehow you still survive, okay? Um, and you will always find that way. It's uh, a balance. So uh, stick with your gun and value the family because you do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. And the same thing goes with work. You have no idea what your employer is going to do tomorrow. And at the end of the day, the employer does not, quote unquote, care about you. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, there's another Nassim Talb quote. I remember hearing, uh, I think it was in the uh, bed of Procrustes. It was uh, something along the lines of, uh, he said that the best way to to control a slave is to convince him that he's an employee. It's something along, something along those lines, right? I mean, obviously work is important. We obviously must do something with our lives, but I mean, you're not going to get rich renting out your time. Right. Um, and if you think of it that way, like she puts shit in perspective, like, I mean, I don't know why I'm rambling on about this, but I hope to one day be free of this having to work for anything. Right. Like I, I work in the sense that I have to show up at somewhere at a certain time, I have to dress a certain way, I have to speak a certain way. I have to have certain meetings with certain individuals. I have like this stuff to me is like, nah, man, like I would rather I'd much rather read and research and reflect and then teach that back to people, which I kind of get an opportunity to do through, you know, data science dream job. That's gives me an opportunity to do that. Like I'll explore a topic for a month and then I'll teach about it or I'll just do calls like this and then try to inspire, motivate people. But I'd much rather spend my time just studying and learning and reflecting and sharing that back with other people. Um, let's uh, go to Christoph and then Sue man. Uh, I just want to say that, I mean, I guess all of us know this saying, uh, find the job you love and you'll never walk a day in your life. And I also found it in this, um, how will you measure your life book? And I truly believe that I'm already successful because I found the job I, I, I will love. I know this and yeah. it's, and I, I've been all over the place I'm like machine learning, artificial intelligence, data science, and I found it, but I, I was working hard to find it. And I just don't want to waste any more time. There you go, man. That's a, that's a good realization to have. Like, I mean, be completely honest with you. Yeah, I work as a data scientist. I don't know if I necessarily love data science. 
I mean, I, I love studying randomness. I love studying probability. Those things I genuinely love. I mean, I don't even love statistics. I love probability and randomness for sure. These are things that I thoroughly enjoy studying and learning and reading about. I mean, apart from being an options trader, like <laughs> what do I do with those skills, right? So become a data scientist and build models, right? But then even then, I, like, I'm not sure that this is something that I truly love. There'll probably be a pivot for me at some point in the future. And at least data science is giving me some way to get there. It's giving me a platform to jump off of. Um, and I mean, I, I like to think that I'm good at it and I'm, a, you know, I enjoy doing it, but is it what I really want to do forever? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but Asha, if, I mean, Suman, if you have a comment, uh, let me know. But if you have a question, I'm going to have to ask you to go after Asha. So, um, okay, cool. Asha, go for it. I see that you're back. Sorry, my internet keeps breaking off. No problem. Sorry. I'm, I'm about to take the topic away from yeah, the no, current. So if you, if you want to, I'm sorry. No, no, go for it. If you got a question, go for it. But definitely go for it. I'm rooting for you. There you go. So my, I had two, I have two questions actually. Yeah. First question is in regards to, I know it was discussed on the, sorry, data science go on Sunday, but I still have a question on it in regards to the projects you have on your GitHub, right? What, how, what number is too much, first of all? And secondly, what areas do you focus on? I know there was a mention of trying to solve a business problem and trying to showcase your skills. Yeah. But how so many do you have? Sorry. Not too many. Not, not too many, right? You don't want to confuse anybody. Like there's also the paradox of choice to present anybody with so many things on a GitHub. What if I mistakenly by not even mistakenly, just randomly, because that's how we behave, just click on a project that just happens to be the least uh, favorable project for you right so just have projects two three projects at the most that really truly showcase your ability to do the job right you don't want to have half finished projects or 10 different projects where it's just kind of all over the place just two to three projects at the most that are just absolute indicators that you can do the job in terms of content what they what they have content doesn't necessarily matter as much as you are able to showcase your thought process right Essentially, what, what, what are you doing a project for? Hopefully, you're doing a project for two key reasons. Number one key reason is that you are trying to emulate real-world data science. You're trying to understand the practice. You're trying to flesh out your set, set of principles through a project, right? That, yes, I can go from an abstract idea with data to a fleshed-out solution with a conclusion, right? And that the chain that takes me from A to B is logical and coherent and it's constructed in a clear, concise manner so that whoever is re reviewing the project can easily follow my train of thought and I'm shedding insight into why it is I'm making every decision that I am along the way, right? So what I look for in a project, I've said this countless times, is a clean repository structure, right? So one project is structured very cleanly, meaning you're following um, a logical template, maybe such as Kedro or... Um, uh, cookie cutter data science, both of those have really nice repository structures. You're, you're writing good, clean, well-documented code that clearly has making good use of uh, OOP, you know, uh, principles and fundamentals, right? So making sure your code is clean, it's modular, you've got comments, you're telling me exactly what the function is doing, right? Um, that you're not just including a bunch of random bits of exploratory data analysis just to show me that you could do dot info, dot head, dot describe, you know, 
making sure that whatever it is that you're showing me in your notebook fits as part of the narrative, right? So that brings me to the second point is that you're trying to demonstrate your ability to think clearly during the project. So it's twofold kind of thing there. One is your ability to come up with a question and find a path to a solution while showcasing your technical ability to write clean code and follow a sound set of principles and to show that you're able to clearly think through a data problem. Contents of that doesn't really matter, right? As long as you're showing those things because you abstracted enough away, right? Everything kind of looks the same, right? Like everything, you know, kind of will look the same if that makes sense yes yes it does and that brings me to my second question yeah when you're starting a new role and you're dealing with a lot of data right you're coming into very rough work done for lack of a better word there's no set clear structure that's there and a lot of the data is multilingual it's dealing between countries that speak different languages so my question is when you're coming into a new role and you have a probation of one year you you have the expected things they expect you to achieve in the first two months, second three months. Second, what's your approach to getting into a new role? Do you begin studying everything. What's your new? What's your approach when you get into a new role in a company? Yeah, so pick up the book, the first ninety days. Um, I mean, I, I can probably give you an, a link to uh to my Audible file for that. But the first ninety days, it's an excellent book about what to do when you first start a job. Um, so definitely check that out. But the specifics to your question is you talk to your manager who hired you like, all right, cool. I'm sitting here. What, what do you expect to see from me within the first three, six, nine months? Right. So like, I can't give you any more specific advice or information from that because I don't, I don't know the company. I don't know the projects. I don't know what the state of the world is for them or what's important to them. Right. At the end of the day, you're hired to help them solve a problem. You're hired to help them do something. So it's on you to go figure out what that something is that they're trying to achieve and how your certain set of skills can help get them there. Right, because ultimately, why else did they? Why else are they paying you if if not to to help them? Um, so have that conversation with your boss. I guess when you answered that question is when I realized I might have phrased it wrongly. Okay. Um, what I actually mean is when you come into a role, sometimes people expect the expectations are too high as okay. to the extent of things you can do. How do you handle the expectations, especially oh. when you're new? How do you handle the expectations? How do you say no? This cannot be done. No. Um, by asking them questions and just drilling down the questions, like, oh, so you want to do this, this, and this, and then spell it out clearly and just say, okay, well, in order for, and and just give them time estimates and say, okay, if you want this to get done, well, I need to do these 10 different things. Each one of these 10 different things, me alone will probably take me this much, this much, this much time. Right. And you're looking to accomplish this one thing. It's not going to happen overnight. Here's all the different pieces that have to go into it. Here's how long each piece is going to take and how much it'll cost me to, to do that. Um, you know, and, and just be upfront with those Right. Like if, there, if there's something that you cannot do, tell them, like, yeah, you know what? I mean, I, this is nice to have what you're saying. Like, I, I can definitely understand why it is that you want to accomplish this, but um, it can't be done given the current state of things. Right? I had this thing at work where it's, it was a seemingly easy problem to solve. Right. And it's and it definitely like in theory, very easy to solve. But the data underlying data was so inconsistent and so uh, dirty and messy that I was not able to get to a solution. I, even though I had the right, even though in theory, even though I had the methodology in place, it's just a fundamental, the fact that the data was not in good quality means that I was not able to produce a solution of any value whatsoever. And so I just communicate that. But yeah, um, once we started getting some stuff in place for data quality and start collecting more data, then yeah, we can probably revisit this. But given the current state, no, that's not something that, that can be done. You, know, you just state it up front, right? That's the only thing you can do. And sometimes you might, 
they might have a question on service and you think like it can be done, but you shouldn't say, oh yeah, that's something I could do. You should always say, all right, hold on. This seems in theory that it sounds like something that can be doable, but give me half a day to dig deeper and figure out more intricacies of what's going on to let you know how long it would take me to do something, right? Does does that make sense? Yes. I think that's exactly the problem I've been having is, yes, I'll do it. Sure. Bring it. Yes, sure. Especially with the ad hoc requests. I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that. You can't do that. No, (laughs) no. You can't do that. Dude. You just tell them like, all right, um, like especially with ad hoc requests, like you can never say yes to anything right off the top. Your first response always should be, well, it depends. Give me half a day to look into it, to figure out if this is doable. And if I manage to do it in that half a day, I'll have the result for you. But until I look into this a bit more and give you an estimate of time, like I can't give you more than that right now. Right. Yeah. Definitely don't take everything on. Thank you. Yeah. Um, because people think machine learning is magic. They think data scientists, data science is magic. It's really not. For sure. Um, yeah. Can't solve everything. Um, yeah, hopefully that was helpful. Uh, so let's go to Suman's question. Um, yeah, I might have a little long one. Uh, it's like uh, Chris. So I've been I've been in the oil industry for like eight years. And uh, uh, I, so the data, so I, I'm, not a, I'm not a software coder. Like coding was not my, uh, was not required in my job. Uh, the data science part is like embedded in our process, like each of the algorithm that we use. It is like the heart of it. But uh, I I used as a I was I was working as a like a more of an applied scientist, right? Rather than R and D. If I were an R and D, I would have a lot of coding experience. Uh, so I spent a lot of time like analyzing, processing, and, and and basically creating the end product and selling to the client. So that was a more uh, main experience. Still, I didn't have to code, but it has a lot of technical stuff like the software platform that we have developed is still like a mini version of coding. It's a lot of parameters and testing uh, that goes on. So uh, like three or four years ago, uh, I found out that, actually I found out five or uh, a long time before that actually, that statistical learning is one of the key to our uh, process. Uh, machine learning was very new to me. I even didn't know what the machine learning, I thought it was a robotics and all that kind of stuff. And then when I, when I took a statistical learning at Stanford online, uh, that actually opened my eye. And then I started like delving more into it. And I went through a bunch of uh, classes uh, with Andrea at the deep learning again uh, while I was at work I managed to uh, get the certification on those things and last year uh, last year I was I was hoping that I was I was waiting for a, a, a one final promotion at work and then after that I was planning to quit and then and then uh, I look for the data science uh, outside the world and gas and then the unfortunately corona happened I did get my promotion and probably because of that I was uh, I was on the target list for <laughs> headcount reduction when the corona happened. So, I mean, I, I still don't believe that I, I was let go because I was I was really good uh, or decent. Uh, so I'm not working with uh, my company anymore right now. It's been almost like eight or 10 months, but I didn't, lo- uh, I didn't live in the bad terms. Like they said that they might hire me if the business is back again. So, but I don't want to go back again to the oil and gas anymore because these things happens like over and over. And I have already seen like a five and 10 rounds of layoffs in the past eight years. And that really freaked me out. And I want to go through that. And the, the most uh, the most negative thing of my current experience is that uh, because I, I lack a lot of uh, uh, the software side, uh, the coding side, it's really hard for me to like present in the market. So I've been giving interview in last year and a lot of time I, w- I wouldn't be able to like get the 
the second interview like the first interview I like I wouldn't make it make it to the second round and uh, I don't know why <laughs> and uh, I've been coding for past two years and uh, on my own I'm taking a lot of data science uh, classes like boot camps and stuff like that so what would you suggest uh, in this in this circumstances like what should I evaluate for myself and uh, why I'm not getting attention uh, even though I think that uh, I, I should be I should be a very good candidate for data science you have a project that shows that you know how to do stuff or are you just taking classes hoping that that's enough to convince somebody that you are qualified to get the job yeah right now i i have a couple of projects two or three projects uh okay. that came through the the class as well but uh not a very big project yet i, I didn't have i haven't done the capstone yet but something uh up to the level of uh linear reg- regression random forest and some uh deep learning project yeah, I think first thing is just do do a project like a really well structured project. Like I mentioned earlier, some qualities of projects that people should should take on. So definitely make sure yours are up to par with that. Good repository structure, uh, and everything else I'd mentioned to to Asha. Uh, there's also a uh, did like a 15 minute talk on story by data or dedicated YouTube channel about five tips for getting a project, making a project that'll make get you hired. So definitely check that out for a lot more detail. Um, but I mean, if you're saying like, I mean, it sounds like you have identified that coding is a weak point for you. So keep on practicing coding, keep on getting better and better at that. Um, maybe start looking for roles that are not necessarily just data scientist by title, but look for roles that are adjacent to that data analyst, operations research, right? Uh, th- you know, those type of roles um, that are adjacent that can help as a stepping stone because um, coding is important, obviously, as a data scientist. Like, you don't have to be like a software engineer, but you got to be able to write good code. So a good, hopefully you're keeping track of the types of questions that you're getting wrong so that you can go back and revisit those and get up to speed on those and, and make sure you understand why you got it wrong. Um, that's, yeah, I th- that's key. Yeah, most of the time what I get is that everything goes wrong and then, and then at the end they would ask me, do you have a actual production do you have a coding like did you like code any to the production like a actual corporate level uh production job you know like every uh, single time they say that yeah a lot of time like like for most of the quantify that a lot of time most like out of what percentage out of how many interviews because 80 percent 80 percent and even it is a screening part right so it's not even a coding test yet like they don't so are you, ask me about, yeah. Are, are you going for roles that, that just by the description of the role look like they're very, very heavily software engineering focused roles? Because I, I don't think you necessarily need to have done several models in production to be a data scientist. Maybe if you're going for machine learning engineering type of roles, that's possible. But uh, I don't think that you need to, to have necessarily deployed models to production to have a job as a data scientist. You need coding skills for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure you got those down. If you're, if you're, if you're going to coding interviews and you're getting certain particular types of questions wrong, focus on making sure you get those right in the future, right? Um, yeah, so at see, this point, I even don't know what kind of coding question I would get. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you want to you wanna check out websites like uh, Hacker Inc. is a good one. Elite mm-hmm. Code is a good one. There's a, a particular website I like a lot uh, for learning Python. It's called Python Principles. And I'll link that right here. So Python principles will teach you like just the fundamentals of Python from the ground up. 
but then it also has these types of like challenges that although they might not necessarily be the level of difficulty that you might get in a hackering challenge there's still really good questions to kind of get you thinking about how to solve problems with code um yeah so that, i think so one question is that a lot of this uh, coding website is geared towards software development, right? Or, or the actual programmer. Right? And so in a data science, how important is to have like that, that side of the coding? Because from data science coding perspective, I think I have made a lot of, I mean, quite significant progress so far. I'm pretty comfortable with coding for the data science perspective, not like software development. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So maybe the types of roles that you should target are more research type of roles, right? And not production oriented type of roles because there's definitely data science roles that are on product teams, right? And if you're a data scientist on a product focused type of role, you're going to have to be able to write production quality code because you're deploying features into a product, right? Um, so if you find yourself going for like Netflix or Facebook or whatever in those type of roles where you, the result of your work is being implemented in some product then yeah, definitely you need to have that, that software engineering down pat. But if you're going mostly for roles that are primarily focused on forecasting or uh, predictions or research and development type of roles, probably not so much, right? Um, so I'd say just keep applying for jobs, but maybe make sure you're not applying for like jobs that are highly focused on, on product. Um, I see Torres' hand up, so if you want to chime in, go for it. Christoph, thanks for hanging out. See you around, Christoph. Um, so when I was just curious, because, uh, okay, the, from the data point of view and all the skills uh, and the projects and what LP is mentioned, but you referred to the oil and gas industry. So I'm just curious at what area, because technically I wouldn't give up on any field or specific industry. Uh, I've gone through four of those headcount reductions in the oil and gas industry would always circulate and back and forth. But I'm just curious if what background you have from the oil and gas, because technically if you were in business development and the skills that you gain from that should be very relevant for a lot of other industries, um, industries, uh, even from supplier point of view. I mean, you're bringing a lot to the table and then with the data skills and data analytics uh, skills as well, procurement. I mean, all of these, there, there are plenty of projects going on in the oil and gas industry on improving and using data right now. There's tons of them. And in Norway, which I'm familiar with in the U.S. and Canada, among others, they're always looking for people to assist in those projects with those skills and that background. Is that yeah, something I, you looked into? I totally agree with you that, unfortunately, I was on that sub-segment of the whole industry that is pretty focused and narrowed in itself. So I, I, my background is I am a, I am a geoscientist, a geologist, and my my job was as a geophysical inter-imaging. Uh, so basically, mm -hmm. we would go on the ocean or whatever land where they are looking for the oil. We will uh, get the seismic data and we will create the subsurface image of that. And so, and we we do process huge amount of data, like lots, yeah. like terabytes and terabytes of data. So, and that's my side. So totally like isolated from that business. I mean, I I wasn't I was involved in a little bit of sales, but it it's still like really narrow field in that geoscience community and uh, and dealing with images and digital signal processing kind of stuff. Right, I, I, it is a very narrow field, but this, the the 
I mean, it's the core of oil and gas that you've been working on. And you do, for sure, based on your experience and where you've been, understand the processes involved through all the levels. I mean, mm-hmm. analyzing these type of data, it's huge amounts of data. I'm familiar with it. But to me, that skill set that you bring should be very relevant for a lot of other uh, industries and also from uh, a supplier point of view. Um, you have been on the analysis side of it. There's plenty in my mind organization that require your type of skills now because they're offering those type of services. What's also happening in the industry is that they're now consolidating and sharing this type of data among the companies. Um, there's a more openness to sharing, which allows also mean, which also in my mind means that there should be more opportunities for this data mining, data analysis, the data transactions. I mean, all of these things that come along with it. So it, I, I would just say, don't let it go. Just kind of keep track of it. And and data is data in my mind, okay? Whether it's like geological or statistical or customer-based, at the end of the day, you need to understand where you're going to apply it. And if you do that, you should be okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile. Like, there's no reason why you should not get a job in data science. I think it's just... a the fit for the type of roles you're applying for. You might, from the sounds of it, it looks like you're mostly applying to product-based roles. You should probably look for more R&D type of roles um, because that's really heavily geared towards what the, the type of work that you're doing. So an industry to maybe look for if oil and gas is no longer your cup of tea, precision agriculture could probably use um, your skills for sure. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the uh, precision agriculture industry, but machine learning, computer vision, like the type of work that you're describing right now, the agriculture industry is is picking up on. Uh, you know, they're they're using geosatellite data to help figure out exactly the right combination of nutrients to apply to a particular point of of land. Right. So, for example, a company based out of Canada. Right here in Winnipeg, uh, Farmer's Edge, that's an example of a precision agriculture company. So take a look at what they're doing. Go to Farmer's Edge website, check them out, and then see who their competitors are and maybe apply to some of those roles. But I'm willing to bet that uh, it's probably a a difference in fit between the type of roles that you're applying for, given your background. But now that begs the question, do you want to be more on the business facing side? Do you want to do you want to develop product features like what? You know, give me a sense of the types of companies you've applied to. Uh, yeah, I think a couple of them were product product uh, uh, oriented and a couple of them were, I think, research oriented. And uh, mm-hmm. but it, it is also possible that I wouldn't know that it is a product oriented or if it's yeah. just a, yeah, but, but my personal interest would be the predictive side, like forecasting or uh modeling side yeah yeah so definitely let me look into more research scientist type roles that's probably going to be uh, more suited to your current background and when you see roles for data scientists if you notice that this involves roles that you're developing features for products then you are going to have to have a strong coding background uh, but at, at a bare minimum i'd, I'd you know I, I don't know what the quality of your code looks like right now like i, I we can look at that next week or something since we've got to wrap up here but make sure you're following a good structure for your for your project right make sure you use either kedro or cookie cutter to help organize your project you're writing i mean be working beyond just a notebook you can have a pipeline to go from raw data to a decision 
using whatever Pi scripts that's automated, okay. easily executable, things like that. Um, so it looks like you probably do have experience doing that. Um, it might just be just, you know, more practice interviewing because I mean, you got your background for the work you've done and given your education, like it shouldn't be too difficult. Uh, probably just a lot more practice interviewing. So do as many mock interviews as possible. So for that, I would recommend Pramp, P-R-A-M-P.com. Some good ways to prep through that. Uh, so I went ahead and posted a link there. Um, but yeah, that's all the time we got for today. Thank you. So hopefully, uh, soon, man, we could see you here again next week. And then maybe we can like, take a look at your portfolio next week to see what it looks like um, and give you some pointers. Um, but in the meantime, just do as many practice mock interviews as possible. Pramp is a good resource for that. All right, guys, we'll take care. Have a good rest of the afternoon or evening, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, just have a good day. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. Remember, you got one life on this planet. Why not try yeah, to do something big? Absolutely. Cheers Thank everyone. you, everybody. Cool. And right. everybody. Thank you. Thanks.